Well, today, as we begin this series, I have to uh, clarify something for a very small subset of people. If you're in your mid to late 20s uh, and, and your middle and high school years uh, were spent obsessed with the movie or the books Twilight, the Twilight series, and you're still hopeful that someday you might just meet your Edward, I've got some really, uh, I got some really uh, bad news about, uh, for, for you. This series is not actually about hugging vampires because this is what I have to clarify. There are no real vampires. I'm so sorry to break that news to you. I'm sorry to break that news to the, to the internet in general. I'm very sorry about that. But with that said, here's the thing that you know and the thing that I know. Life is full of people who can suck the life out of you, right? Like life is full of people who can suck the life out of you. That, that life, it's, it's, it seems like just about anyone has the potential to turn into a vampire at some point in your life. Let's, let's talk about a few of them for, for a second. We have coworkers. So it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Like you, we spend so much time of our life thinking about what we're going to do at work and what we're going to do and, and what our career is going to be. But then we start our job. We start what we're doing, what you want to do for a living. And sometimes that becomes a nightmare because let's be honest, you have to do your job with other people and you rarely get to pick those people, right? And sometimes those other people smell weird. And some of those other people bring really weird smelling leftover casseroles in, 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 in to heat up for lunch in the break room. Let's be honest, sometimes you bring stuff in to heat up and they steal that. And some of those people didn't vote for the person that you voted for. And over time, it begins to feel like every interaction every day at work can just suck a little bit of life out of you. Let's talk about personal space invaders. How many of you have ever met a personal space invader? I, I have a friend who lives in a different city, wonderful guy, but he is a personal space invader. We can start a conversation standing four feet away from each other, which is a nice, comfortable distance. And I know that as the conversation goes, he's going to scooch closer, scooch closer, closer and closer and closer until our feet are touching. And I'll shift with a step back as, as, as it goes on. And, I'll, and then he'll scooch again. It is the slowest game. Like if you were watching us have a conversation, it's like the slowest game of tag ever. It's like, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. But for an introvert like me, a personal space invader can quickly feel like a relational vampire. Let's talk about bad drivers. Isn't it frustrating? Isn't it frustrating that other drivers on the road don't drive exactly the way that you want them to, that everyone on the road who doesn't drive exactly like you is a bad driver. It's irritating. Anyone who goes slower than you, anyone who goes faster than you, anyone who brakes harder than you is a bad driver. Anyone who doesn't use the turn signal exactly the way that you would hope for is a bad driver. It's irritating. And you know a bad driver on the road can ruin your mood or ruin your day quicker than you would ever think. Let's talk about family members. <laughs> Let's talk about family members. Some of them that are from, some of these are from the family that you were born into and some of these are from the family that you married into, but wherever they come from, family members can suck the life right out of us. I mean, like, it's, it's just true. This might have been apparent when you were growing up where you got excited about something, and every time you would get excited about something, they would quickly deflate you by telling you that what you were excited about was not really that big of a deal, or what you would accomplish was not that big of a deal. It could, it could be your children that as, that as they grow up, they don't really seem to grow up, and their lack of progress leaves you feeling Drain, let's talk about opinionated people. Opinionated people can really suck the life out of us, right? And let's be honest here. What we mean when we say that opinion people, opinionated people suck the life out of us is that opinionated people that we disagree with suck the life out of us, right? See, when you meet someone really opinionated and they agree with you, well, that's a person of strong conviction and belief. When we meet someone who's opinionated who disagrees with you, who disagrees with our strong opinions, 
well, they're just a jerk, right? I mean, they're just, they're just the worst person in the world. Like, because either we're going to war and we're going to come out bruised and bloody, or we're going to smile and nod and endure the conversation and end up exhausted. Opinionated people who disagree with us can very quickly suck the life out of us. People in internet comment sections, I don't need to explain that one, right? Like, I mean, remember Yahoo actually banned their comment section because things got so gross for a while and so toxic for a while. No one has missed it. Like, I, I haven't missed it at all. But people in the internet comment sections can very quickly, like, I'm not sure if it's a troll. I'm not sure if it's a bot. I'm not sure who it is. But just in case they're serious, I need to let them know a piece of my mind. Like, and it just goes on and on. It gets wild and it gets weird. Long storytellers, long storytellers can quickly suck the life out of us, right? Like, here's the point. Here's the first detour. Here's the, here's the first story you need as background for the detour. Here's the segue back to the first detour. And eight minutes later, you still haven't found out what happened to the cat. I mean, like, like these people can quickly suck the life out of us. You live life like I live life surrounded by people who can just suck the life right out of us, right? Which makes for a really interesting dynamic because I think we can all readily acknowledge this truth. The quality of our lives is only as good as the quality of our relationships. The quality of our lives is only as good as the quality of our relationships, right? I mean, like, that when you think about the quality of your life and how life is working out, you know that life is never really good if relationships aren't good right? That, that life isn't really good if relationships aren't, aren't working out right. And life is never really bad unless the relationships in life are going badly. The quality of our lives is directly tied to the quality of our relationships, which makes for an interesting little paradox here. We know that the quality of our lives is only as good as the quality of our relationships. And at the same time, we find ourselves at work and in our neighborhood and at school and on the roads and even in our own homes surrounded by people who suck the life out of us, which makes it seem like healthy relationships might not even be possible. Like, like, is it possible to have healthy relationships if we're going to be surrounded by all these life suckers? Is it possible to have peace when you're surrounded by quiet talkers and long storytellers and opposition voters and slow drivers and horn honkers and lunch stealers and credit takers and story exaggerators and grammar correctors and people who use the wrong there and people who take advantage of your kindness and generosity and people who do, don't, don't take hints that it's time to leave your house? Like, is it possible to have healthy relationships relationships with all those people sucking the life out of you. And with all of that in mind, I have an important truth I need to share with you. You suck sometimes too. <laughs> Isn't that fun? That you suck sometimes too. Matter of fact, wherever you are, would you tap someone on the shoulder and, and look, them in, look them in the eyes and, and would just you tell them, you suck sometimes. You suck sometimes. And now look, now look at them again and say, it's okay. I suck too. It's okay. I suck too. And I, I get it, you're like, wait, are we? Is it, is it okay to say that in church? Like, yeah. Here's the thing. We're talking about sucking the life out of people. You like, you tell like, hey, you you suck sometimes, but it's okay because I suck too. Now I know that that's not as much fun as pointing out all the other people, and we don't laugh about it in the same way. But it is just as true that for all those times that the other people are tiring and exhausting and challenging and frustrating and annoying and difficult and to deal with. Sometimes you are too. That, that for all of those times that, that, that they are the reason that friendships are difficult and wonky, let's be honest, sometimes the reason that friendships are difficult and wonky 
is you. Sometimes you're the reason for those things. That, that for all those times that your spouse is the problem in your marriage, let's be honest, sometimes you're the problem in your marriage. For all the moments that you're frustrated by your coworkers, sometimes your coworkers are frustrated by you. And for all of those people that you feel exhausted when you're forced to be around them, there is someone who feels that way about you. You suck sometimes too. And while none of us would like to admit that, we know it's true, don't we? Like we, like we know it's true. We know that sometimes the reason relationships are difficult is because sometimes we're difficult. We know that sometimes the reason there's conflict in a relationship is because we put it there. We know that sometimes the reason we have difficulty making friends is because we're carrying around wounds from old friendships that haven't healed. We all suck sometimes. So here's the question. So here's the question. If they suck the life out of me sometimes, and I suck the life out of them sometimes, is it possible? Is it possible to have healthy relationships? Is it possible to build healthy friendships? Is it possible to have family relationships that don't go sour over time? Like for real, is it actually possible? Is it possible to have life-giving relationships that last in a world where relationships are more likely to suck the life out of you than to add life to you? Is it possible? And luckily, luckily for us as Jesus followers, the Bible and specifically the New Testament writers consistently point to the idea that healthy relationships are not only possible, but they're actually what we're supposed to strive for, even in a world full of unhealthy people. And not only are they possible, this is what we're called to live in. This is what we're called to toward. So for the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time looking at some incredibly powerful verses in scripture that help us grow toward healthier, better, and by the way, more God-honoring relationships. Today, I want to start with a really challenging verse from Paul in the letter that he wrote to the Roman Christians is conveniently called Romans. Let's start in, in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 18. Here's what Paul wrote. He said, live at peace with everyone. Matter of fact, right now, if you're watching online, would you go ahead and type in the comment section, everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Now, I'm just going to be honest here. Like that sounds, that sounds unrealistic, doesn't it? That sounds impossible. Like Paul, you want me to live at peace with everyone? Paul, no one does, like no one lives at peace with everyone. Paul, what have you been smoking? Like Paul, like, do, do you not understand that no one re, that no one lives at peace with everyone? And so when we read this, we want to dismiss Paul as some guy sitting in a lofty tower with a bunch of religious ideas, but no real world knowledge of how messy life actually gets. But actually, Paul knew just how messy life and just how messy relationships can get. See, Paul's story included times where relationships had gotten really weird all around him. See, Paul had previously been known as Saul, and Saul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was elite as a Pharisee. All his friends were Pharisees who mocked and tormented and hunted Christians. And then Saul had an encounter with Jesus, and Saul became Paul, and Saul switched sides. Imagine the betrayal that his friends felt like Saul had turned his back on everything they believed in. Every relationship he had, every friendship got instantly difficult. And on the other side of that, on top of that, Paul's new friends, 
Paul's new friends certainly had their reservations about Paul. I mean, Paul, who had now come to Jesus, before he came to Jesus, he spent his time devoted to arresting and killing Christians. So every meeting of Jesus followers that Paul walks into, there is someone there with a family member in prison or a family member who's gone because of Paul. Because of Paul and Paul's old friends. I mean, this is like there's tension in relationships everywhere that Paul goes. There's tension in every like in relationship in every room that Paul walks into. It's like this is difficult. This is awkward. This is draining. This is exhausting. See, Paul knew what it was to have some bad blood in relationships, and he still says, "Live at peace with everyone." And here's what Paul had come to understand that we need to understand today if we're going to understand how to get past the fact that sometimes people suck the life out of us and sometimes we suck the life out of other people. You can have peace about the relationship even without peace in the relationship. You can have peace about the relationship even without peace in the relationship. There are some relationships where you may never have peace in the relationships. Things, things may never be good or healthy between the two of you, but you can still have peace about the relationship. You can live at peace about the relationship. You can have peace in your heart and in your mind when you think about the relationship. They may never forgive you for what you did, but you can still have peace about the relationship, knowing that you have taken every step that you know to take. That you may always have, have to have some boundaries that keep things civil instead of open, and the relationship may not be what you wish it was, but you can have peace about the relationship, that you can have peace about the relationship even when you don't have peace in the relationship. Now, you might kind of nod in agreement with that. I go, yeah, there's some relationships where, you know, you just have to let things be. And that's not what Paul is saying. He says, I want you to live at peace about the relationship, not because you've let it go, but because you have done something that brings peace about the relationship. You may not have peace in the relationship. You may not have peace in the friendship. You may not have peace with your in-laws, but you can have peace about that relationship. And if you're thinking, okay, well, that's, that's something a little bit different. How do we get there? That's a good question. And the reason I say that's a good question is because the part that we just read of that verse, if you're following on your phone or if you have an open Bible in front of you, is that that is the end of verse 18. The rest of the verse helps us get to there. It helps us get to the point where we can have peace, live at peace with everywhere. We can have peace about the relationship, even when we don't have peace in the relationship. Here's what Paul said in, at the beginning of the, the verse. He said, if it is possible, live at peace with everyone. See, Paul acknowledges that peace might not be possible. That peace in the relationship, it might not be possible. And you're going, woo, thanks, Paul. Like now you've, you've let us off the hook. And I want to let you know, Paul didn't really let you off the hook. And Paul didn't let me off the hook. It might not be possible. But if there's a chance you live at peace with everyone, if there's a chance you strive for peace with everyone, if there's an opening for peace, you take it, you seize it, you run towards it, you embrace it. If there's a chance, if it's at all possible, you live at peace in the relationship and you seek to live at peace about every relationship. See, here's another thing that Paul understood that we need to learn. Even without the promise of peace, 
Pursuing peace is a worthy pursuit. Even without the promise of peace, even if you, even if you don't know that you're ever going to get to a place where you live at peace in the relationship, pursuing that peace is worth your time. It's a worthy pursuit. So you can't really have peace in your heart about the relationship if you haven't tried for peace in the relationship. So you don't get peace in your heart and mind knowing that there's something you could have and something that you should have done differently when it comes to the relationship, the friendship, that family relationship. It's a worthy pursuit either way. Paul would say it's a worthy pursuit either way, that either you get peace in the relationship, which is what we're all hoping for, either you get peace in the relationship or you get peace personally about the relationship, and sometimes you get both. And whether you get peace in the relationship or you just have peace in your heart and mind when you think about the relationship and you know things may never be what you hope they would be, but you have peace because you know you've done what, you've, what you're supposed to do and you know you've taken the step that you know, like you know you've tried and you've you know, done what you're supposed to do, that when you do that, you get peace personally and sometimes you get both. It's a worthy pursuit. Now, again, if you're reading your phone Bible or at the same time, or if you have a physical Bible open in front of you, you know there's a part of this verse that I haven't put up on the screen yet that I haven't gotten to. It's the very middle of this verse. I wanted to start from the outsides and work our way in to the meat of the, of the sandwich, to the meat of the message, because here's the part that we need to understand. As, as, as I said, like, you know, we want to focus on the other, on, on someone else and why, what they did and how they hurt us and, you know, what, what, what went wrong in the relationship because of them. But sometimes we have to be honest. There's some things that, that we have, that we have failed to take responsibility for that sometimes we have sucked the life out of other people or sucked the life out of a relationship. And for those moments, Paul wants to address that right in the middle of this powerful verse. Here's the full verse of Romans chapter 12, verse 18. He says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, you. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, with everyone. See, I, I, I don't, I don't like that, right? Like I would rather, I, I would rather point the finger at someone else as the problem because as long as I can point the finger at them, I don't have to own anything that I don't want to own. I don't have to take responsibility for anything. I don't want to take a responsibility. But Paul, speaking and writing with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, on some level, peace in the relationship depends on you, and it depends on me. At some point along the way, peace doesn't depend on them. Peace depends on me and it depends on you. In other words, whatever the relationship, I have a part to play for that relationship to be healthy. And whether that part is big or small, if I'm unwilling to play that part, peace isn't really possible. That I that before that before I look that before I look and, and point the finger at other people about why the relationship isn't healthy, I have to look to myself first and say, have I done my part? Have I played my part? Have I, have, have I done what depends on me? That peace, if, if it's true that peace in the relationship depends on me and it depends on you, like have we actually done the part that depends 
on me. So here's two really challenging questions based on that part of the verse. What depends on you? What depends on you? If your relation in your relationship, what hinges on you? If peace in the relationship depends on you, well, what actually depends on you? What's your part to play? What's that thing that if you don't do it, no one will, and the relationship and things will fall apart and things will spiral at home, at the office, at school, with your neighbors, at Thanksgiving dinner in a month, at Thanksgiving, like, at Thanksgiving dinner in a month, what depends on you? Big or small, let's be honest. Some of us don't play our part far too often, and then we wonder why friendships aren't solid, or why we feel alone, or why we don't connect the way that we used to. What depends on you? As an employee, what depends on you? As a husband or a wife, what depends on you? As a son or a daughter, what depends on you as a good neighbor what depends on you driving down the road what depends on you what part do you have to play if relationships with all of those people are going to be what you want them to be and not be relationships that suck the life out of you what depends on you and then here's the second question have you gone as far as you should go Have you gone as far as you should go? It's possible. The reason I ask this question, it's possible that in some relationships you have taken a step, but you haven't taken the step that you need to take. That you've taken a step, but you haven't taken the step that you need to take. You took a step to improve the relationship or to improve communication or to improve whatever, but you haven't taken the most important step that you Take, let, me, let me try to give a, an example of what this can look like. Let's, let's say that you did something that hurt a relationship. You said something, you did something, you did something that, that caused a rift in, the, in, the, in a relationship. Um, like you, you did something and you know that something is, is wrong. There's some distance that wasn't there before. You, you haven't seen each other in a while and you know that, you're, that what you did is probably the reason. But most of us, we hate apologizing. Like we hate hate, hate apologizing, like we'll avoid it at all costs. And so you don't want to apologize, but you know things are awkward. You know things aren't what they should be. And so what you try to do is to take a step and your step that you try to take is like, well, I'm just going to try to like, I know we haven't spent time together. I'm going to try to force us to spend some time together. And while we're together, I'm going to act like everything is normal and everything is okay. Let me tell you what you just did. You took a step but you didn't take the step that would actually restore the relationship, that would actually bring healing to the relationship. You took a step, but you haven't taken the far step, the uncomfortable step, the difficult step. You haven't taken the step as far as you could go. You haven't taken the step as far as it depends on you. You've taken a step, but you haven't taken the step. And until you take the step of actually apologizing, the relationship will not be what it should be. So the question, how far should you go to fix the bad blood between you and the people you care about? Once again, Paul said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So here's the bottom line today. As we, as, we, as we begin this series, here's the, here's the starting point. As we begin to talk about how do, we, how do we love the people who suck the life out of us? How do we, how do we, how do we deal with these relationships that suck the life out of us? Here's, here's, the, here's the bottom line starting point. Here's how we begin to live in healthy relationships, even though we live in a world surrounded by people who can suck the life out of us. Here's the starting point. Peace is possible for you. 
Peace is possible for you when you have done all you can do. Peace is possible for you and for me when we have done all that we can do in the relationship, when we have done what depends on us, when we, when we have done everything that's possible. Well, like we can live at peace about the relationship. We live in more peace in the relationship when we have done all that we can do. Like, so let's be honest, before we get to how to handle them, we all need to take a look in the mirror. Like, are we actually pursuing peace or are we just talking a good game? Are we saying we want better friendships and better relationships with coworkers and better relationships at home, but the second it requires us to do anything different or take a step that makes us uncomfortable, we duck out? Like, peace, Paul would tell you, peace is possible for you and it's going to require something from you. It's going to require something of you. Peace is possible for you, but it's going to require something of you. Peace is possible for you, even if it's only in your heart and your mind, when you're willing to take the step and do whatever you can do to bring about peace around the relationship. That even if there can't be peace in the relationship, you can have peace about the relationship when you have done all that you know to do. So here's the thing. I mean, like if relationships are going to get better, you have to stop doing the things that suck the life out of other people. You have to stop doing the things that suck the life out of relationships. And today I want to, as we close, just give three things that I think all of us can stop doing that suck the life out of relationships. See, here's a couple of things that suck. See, inflation sucks. Inflation sucks. Now cue all the political, yeah, it does. You're like, that's not what we're talking about. We're not, talk not talking about that type of inflation. When I say inflation in a relationship, what I'm talking about are those moments where what they did was a three, what you heard was a seven. What they said was a four. What you heard was a six. And somewhere in there, there's an inflating of what happened. There is, there's a, there's a, I, they said this, I heard something more serious, and that came from you. That came from me. That came from inside of us. This is not overreacting. This is inflating what they did and what they said, and then reacting to the thing that you built. And let's be honest, a lot of the times in our relationships, the reason we have tension, the reason we have conflict, the reason we're frustrated and exhausted is because we are dealing with a seven that never happened. We, we, we have built something up so big, we have inflated something, we have blown something up, and what they did and what they said, it was, a, it was a thing, but it wasn't a big deal. And so I just would maybe say today for some of us, we need to stop inflating because inflation sucks. And so here's the decision that every single one of us can make when it comes to inflation. Here's what we can do. We can say, I refuse to blow up what they did or what they said. I refuse to blow up what they did or what they said. I know that when they said a two and I heard an eight, there's six in there that's, 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 that's from me. And I'm just going to choose that that is not going to be a part of my relationships any longer. I will not take what they said and blow it up to make it a bigger deal than it needs to be. Like, yes, what they said kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but it wasn't an eight. It wasn't a six. I mean, it was a two. It was, it was a three. I mean, like, it was a tiny thing. Like, like, and so when I want to blow it up, well, what does that say about me? 
It says that there's something in me that I need to address, but it's not a thing that I need to put on them. It's not a thing that I need to put on the relationship. Inflation sucks. And so because inflation sucks, I refuse to blow up what they did or what they said. Here's the second thing that sucks. Hypocrisy sucks. Hypocrisy will suck the life out of any relationship. And if you're wondering what what hypocrisy is, hypocrisy is this. Hypocrisy is holding someone else to a standard that you would not live up to yourself. That's what hypocrisy is. Some of us do this with our kids. Some of us do this with our spouse. Some of us do this with our coworkers or our employees. We hold people to a standard that we would never live up to ourselves, that we wouldn't even embrace for ourselves, but we expect perfection out of them. We accept exceptional you know, effort out of them. We accept on all the time. We accept, expect that, the, that they're doing everything that we would want them to do all the time. And let's be honest, we're not doing what we want us to do all the time. Hypocrisy will suck the life out of relationship. That expecting something from someone else that you're not willing to give yourself is hypocrisy. And it sucks the life out of people and it sucks the life out of relationships. It You cannot have a good relationship with a person who is constantly expecting something from you that they, that they will not provide themselves. Hypocrisy sucks. And so here's the, so here's the thing that I would encourage us to say, just like, just like we have to make a decision when it, when it comes to inflation, we have to make a decision when it comes to hypocrisy. Let's be honest, like we're all hypocrites sometimes, but we can choose something better. So here's a statement. When you feel, or when someone else is saying like, Hey, you're expecting something from me. Here's something that if you've had that said to you, or if you know, that's true about you, Here's the decision to make. I refuse to judge someone else by a standard that I refuse to live up to. I refuse. I will not do it. That I know there's going to be moments where I'm going to like, where it's going to come out of me and I'm going to have to stop myself. I refuse to judge someone else by a standard that I refuse to live up to. If we'll do that, I'm just telling you, this is one of those ways that relationships, you can stop sucking the life out of them. You can stop sucking the life out of other people. This is something that we can control. That, that even when, it's, when it starts to come out of us, we can notice it and stop and go, no, no, I refuse to do that. I, I, I know that in this moment, like, I, I, my natural, I, like, I want to hold them to a standard that I'm not living up to myself. I'm not going to do that anymore. I refuse to judge someone by a standard that I refuse to live up to. And then here's the third and final thing that sucks. Misunderstanding sucks. It sucks the life out of people. It sucks the life out of relationships. When when there's something that happens and this is how they see it and this is how you see it, this this call like it's it's a misunderstanding. We're we're mis under, we, are, we are not understanding each other. We are not on the same page. We have not come to agreement on the thing. And let's be honest, about 80% of the time that we have conflict, we have conflict because we have misunderstood something. And the reason we misunderstood is not because we're smart and they're dumb. It's not because we, it, it, it's not because we are perfect and they're imperfect. It's because we see events from our perspective and they see events from their perspective. And if this is the event and I'm seeing it from here and they're seeing it from here, we are seeing from different perspectives, which means neither of us is wrong. We are simply seeing from other perspectives. We're standing in different places. Therefore, we're viewing the event from different perspectives and from different places. And so if you're wondering, well, how do we fight that? Because that's such a normal part of life. There's a really great way to, to, to do this. It's called empathy. Empathy is choosing to put yourself in someone else's shoes, to see something from their 
perspective, to see things the way that they would see them. This is, you, you could call this the long walk around. In golf, what golfers do is they, they're not content to, see, to, to, to try to see the ball and see the hole and go, well, I think I figured out the best way to go. What they do is they walk around from be, to behind the ball to see the lay of how everything is goes, to see, make sure they have caught every piece of the, of, of, the, of the property and every piece of the green and every piece of, 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 of the putting green and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're trying to make sure that they see everything that they need to see. And so they walk around and they take their time to make sure they're seeing everything they need to see. And for some of us, what we need to do is to get out from our perspective, to walk around, to see things from someone else's perspective. Because if we want to come to a common understanding, the only way that we can do that is by putting ourselves in their place and in their shoes and seeing things from their point of view. So here's the decision that we make. I will fight misunderstanding by choosing to see from their perspective. I will fight misunderstanding by choosing to see from their perspective. So here's the great news. Peace is possible for you when you've done everything that you can do. See, peace is possible when, when you stop inflating what they did and you start stop, stop causing conflict by your inflation. See, peace is possible when, when you stop hypocrisy before it really gets going. Peace is possible for you when, when you decide that you're going to fight misunderstanding by choosing empathy and choosing to see from their perspective. Peace is possible for you when you've done everything that you can do. And what's amazing about this is this isn't just a good idea. This isn't just a good idea. This is following the example that our Savior set for us. Because let's be honest, sin had so damaged the relationship between us and our Heavenly Father that from our end, it couldn't possibly be repaired. So God did everything that God could do. God did everything that God could do for you. He sent Jesus from heaven to earth to live as one of us, to walk in our shoes, to, to walk in our shoes, to walk in our shoes. He sent Jesus to a cross to die for our sin, and he rose from the dead so that death would have no power over us. That's how far your Savior went for you. That's how far our Savior went for me. That's how far our Savior was willing to go to have peace in the relationship. And if that's what your Savior did for you, I'm just telling us, whatever your part to play to bring about peace, it's small in comparison. If, if it's forgiveness, if it's, if, it's, if it's confession, if it's apologies, if it's, if it's stopping hypocrisy in its traffic, track, if it's, if it's stopping the inflation, if it's learning to be a little more patient, if it's learning to be more understanding and see from their point of view, whatever your part to play, whatever your part to play, it's small in comparison to what Jesus did for you. Peace is possible for you. Peace is possible for you. It's possible for you when you've done everything that you can do. Let's follow the example of our Savior. Let's learn how to hug some vampires. Let's get better at loving the people who suck the life out of us. Let's bring some peace to our relationships, or at the very least, bring some peace about the relationships. Peace is possible for you when you have done everything you can do. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your grace for us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your patience for us. Thank you that you brought peace 
to us, that you brought peace to the relationship with us. Thank you that you did that for us. So God, whatever part that we have to play, as far as it depends on me, as far as it depends on us, help us to go as far as it depends on us to live at peace with everyone. Thank you that you made peace for us with you. Thank you that we can know you because of what you've done for us. And God, thank you that, you, that you're going to walk with us and w- help us walk out every step of the way what we need to walk out to experience peace at, and, and to live at peace with everyone. Help us to do this, Jesus. Give us wisdom. Give us courage. We love you and pray this all in your name. And, and everyone said, amen.